Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to be here and uh, uh, very much enjoyed Sunday school. <clears throat> Honestly, really get excited about the opportunity to to uh, share from Scripture uh, wherever we get to go, and um, we're delighted to be here. Uh, my wife Jackie and I uh, are privileged to travel on behalf of the university uh, many Sundays, most Sundays I would guess, uh, and um, it is a delight to be in the churches. Uh, and um, I'll only say um, that uh, if you or someone you know is uh, interested in, um, in faith-based Christian higher education, um, I'd like to talk to you, and uh, I have the obligatory table. I even bring my own table now, right? So um, please uh, stop by and see me. Uh, little known fact is I get paid by the number of brochures I hand out, so if you'd take one of those, that would be helpful to me too, uh, and um, be glad to do that. I, uh, but I, I do want to um, do want to share with you what I think is a very exciting passage of Scripture out of Second Timothy um, in chapter 3, there's a, there's a lot going on here. You may have heard somebody at some point uh, quote Paul speaking to Timothy to preach the word. That happens at the beginning of chapter 4. This, these verses get us there. And I think these are really important verses. Uh, and I think important for us today, in this day and time, to look at. I don't know if you've ever thought about uh, those letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and others, but in this conversation, those letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, the, we're kind of reading someone else's mail, right? This is a very personal letter that, that Paul writes. And, and as, as we look at Scripture and how it teaches us, it's amazing to me that, that these... These two letters, this, this letter, 2 Timothy, the second letter that, that Paul wrote to Timothy, it's, it's a very personal letter. Maybe you've read someone else's mail before. I don't mean the way that gets you in jail. I don't mean that way. I, I mean, like, maybe, maybe people in your family have saved letters from war. And so you have letters from a, uh, from a distant relative who sent letters home from war. Or maybe you have letters from family members that exchange news uh, that you've held on to. This is not much different than that, except that, of course, it's become what we view as the inspired Word of God. But it's a very personal letter between two people who, who really care about each other deeply. Paul, the mentor, and Timothy, the mentee. Timothy, the, the, the leader who is in a, in, a very, in a very tough ministry, and Paul, not in easy places himself, yet reaching out to Timothy to encourage him to remain faithful. And even, as we would see if we stuck around in Timothy long enough in chapter 4, to preach that word faithfully, whether it's a, a good time to preach it or a, or a difficult time to preach it. Here we have this this interaction here. Now, in, in Timothy 3, where we're going, 2 Timothy 3, we're going to read 14 through 17, but I just want to pause and talk about verses 10 through 13 for just a moment. Because Paul reminds Timothy, Paul's going to talk about himself for just a moment, 
And then the verses we're going to deal with, he's going to talk about Timothy. But he talks about himself, and Paul reminds Timothy and us now that he had been faithful in service and that no believer should really be surprised at persecution. And Paul uses that brief conversation in those few verses to set up uh, what we're going to look at here in verses 14 through 17. And I'll just invite you to read along with me. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that every servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. to talk about a couple of things before we move into this a little more deeply. The first thing is I want to make a confession to you, is I missed something really important as I was preparing this sermon, and, and it, was, it was just reading through the scripture, this section, one more time. I was like, wow, it's so obvious. Maybe you already noticed it. I didn't notice it the first time through. If you, if you look at verse 14, there are a couple of stages in this process the first stage is that, is that Timothy is to continue in what? First of all, what he has learned, and then what he has become convinced of. See, we can know a lot about our faith. We could even know a lot, perhaps, about the Bible. I occasionally run into people who can tell me many facts about the Bible, but they haven't become convinced of its truth. It is important, as Timothy experienced, to learn Scripture. Absolutely. But friends, the other piece is for us to become convinced of its truth. Because if we're not convinced, then we're not really engaged. If we're not convinced... We're not really going to stick around if it gets difficult. If we're not convinced of its truth, when difficult times come, when persecution comes, now well, maybe we'll give this a second thought. But friends, we must be convinced of the truth of the Scriptures because only then can we really engage in our faith the way God calls us to engage. Well, all right. So what's the key challenge here that Paul gives Timothy before telling him to preach the word in chapter 4? It's to remain faithful because of what he has learned. Remain faithful because of what he has learned. Hmm. I'm concerned. I'm concerned today because... We have more access to the Word of God than, than I could have ever have believed imaginable in my lifetime. So 
So I don't know how you read the Bible, but I get an email every morning with a portion of Scripture that I enjoy reading to start my day. You might actually open up your Bible and read it. Kind of novel today. Do you know that there are multiple websites out there that you can look at any version imaginable? Have you ever seen those? Amazing. Why, you can, you can go to websites that will read you the Scripture, which I think is nice. You can listen to podcasts with people's thoughts on Scripture. Why, you can go home today and listen to this sermon again. That'd be a treat, wouldn't it? You can listen to sermons from people all over the place. And yet, would, would, you, would you correct me if you think I'm wrong, but is there not, in spite of all of that, a great deficit in the knowledge of Scripture today? Do you find that less and less individuals know even the basic tenets of Scripture? I can't help them because they're not here, but can I, can I plead with you to be in your Bible, however that works for you? If you need an email in the morning so that you're reading Scripture, then please do that. If you're just going to be disciplined enough to open up your Bible and read it, then please do that. But whatever you do, Will you please, will you please engage in the Word of God? Why? Because during these trials that Timothy was going to experience, during these difficult times, Paul was confident that Timothy would remain faithful. But why? Because of the Word of God that Timothy had hid in his heart. If we don't have that, how can we? How can we stand in difficult times? I'll ask the question in another way. If Paul were writing this, this, this letter today, and it was Second Terry, would he be able to say, Terry, I'm comfortable that you're going to stand during difficult times because you've hidden the Word of God in your heart? I, I hope so. But as you insert your name into that conversation, understand that, that we have got to ponder this question. Would Paul have had the same confidence in us that he had in his young protege Timothy because he knew Timothy from his youth had studied the Word of God? Would he be able to say that about us? Would he be able to say that about me? And would he say, you're going to be fine you're going to be fine, young Terry, because you have hidden Scripture in your heart. I'd like to further notice that he was taught Scripture as a child from his youth. Can I just say this? I know we just met. Somebody is going to teach your children and your grandchildren a worldview. Somebody's going to. Wouldn't you want it to be you? We see, a, we see an amazing leader, Timothy, who is ready to stand through difficult times because his family taught him Scripture, friends. 
I can't tell you the number of conversations or secondhand conversations I've been in where people say, we just want them to make up their own minds. Really? Jackie and I uh, raised four children safely to adulthood. A couple of them we were wondering, but there they are. They're functioning adults. All of them love Jesus. We're very proud of them. Um, I, I don't know, maybe you haven't experienced this. We raised a couple wanderers. You ever raise a wanderer? So our, young, our, oldest, uh-uh, our youngest would end up at the neighbor's house, little, knocking on their door, wanting to visit. Now, fortunately, they were great folk, but there he stands with his Ninja Turtle mask on, knocking on their door, wanting in. And while he didn't exactly have to go out in the street to do that, it wasn't, it wasn't something that a two-year-old, a three-year-old ought to be doing. Did we say, oh, that's okay, you just do you. If you want to wander out in the street, that's fine. Of course not. As funny as it was and as good-natured about it as the neighbors were, absolutely not. This is where you live, this is where you stay, stop wandering away. And yet, would we, would we allow others to, to fill our children's worldview for us? Would we allow social media to fill their worldview for us? Not on my watch. We've got to be about teaching our children the Word of God. They've got to know it so that they can stand through these times too. So that they could receive this letter with Paul's confidence that they too would stand. This isn't a commercial for KCU, but it it is a true story I'm going to tell you. Um, Three of our children still live in Florida. uh, And um, one of them uh, was frustrated a few weeks ago, and he was talking to me about it, that he's, he is, uh, he's interesting because he's just older than typical college students, so now they're kids, right? Which we get a real kick out of at my house. But he's talking about those kids in college. Like, okay, they're, they're two years younger than you. But at any rate, let's, let's just go with the story. And he is frustrated about some of them that were leaving an institution with with, with a worldview that he simply cannot wrap his mind around. And he said, I, I, was telling, I was telling my brother, I wish there was a place people could go to school where that wouldn't happen. And he said, I realized that's exactly what mom and dad are doing. That's exactly what we're about. And so while we do train leaders for the church, in all the other areas where we train people, whether it's nursing or education or business or pre-law or what have you, it's got to be built on the foundation of the Word of God because we've got to be producing leaders in all areas of life that are comfortable standing up for their faith and proclaiming truth. We've got to pass this on to the next generation. I invite you to join me in the fight for the next generation so we can pass that truth on to them. And the best way you can join in that fight is making sure that your house is teaching the next generation 
Scripture. As we look at this story here, the central idea is that the message of the, of the Scriptures, the inspired Word of God, can change and transform our lives into something that is useful, that is, that is usable in the kingdom. That may be the longest introduction to any sermon I've ever preached. If you're getting nervous, I, um, sometimes I have lots of points, and sometimes my sermons are pointless. But in this scenario, I've got two points. If you look at verse 15. look at verse 15, Paul says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. I think the first thing that Scripture does for us is that it shows us how we can be saved. I think that's a big deal. I think it creates the message, it shows the message of the saving news that a Savior has come. You know, if you trace the accounts of salvation in Acts, you'll see a clear pattern emerge. That's not, that's not difficult to see, and we could talk about that a great deal. But we'll just pick one there in Acts 2. Peter's preaching in Acts 2, and um, he, um, he says something pretty, pretty amazing in verse 36. He says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Well, that would have been shocking to the folk hearing that. This person we thought we were done with, this troublemaker that had been upsetting us, this person we got rid of, he's suddenly Lord and Christ. At the school, the community college that I served in Florida, um, there were multiple campuses, and one of the campuses hired a, a a new leader of the campus. They called him a campus president. Pretty creative. Uh, and, um, and she's a fantastic leader. But if she put on jeans and a t-shirt and a ball cap backwards, she looked 20 years old. So, Dr. Plinsky puts on jeans and a t-shirt and maybe for the first time in her life, a ball cap backwards. And she walked around her campus asking for help so she went to financial aid and asked for help and she went to the help desk i mean it's in the name right so went to the help desk asked for help went to the registrar's office went to the business office you get the idea she walked all over campus and asked for help because she wanted to see well how helpful everybody was now can you imagine if you're sitting behind one of those desks and, and, and that person unannounced shows up with their ball cap on backwards asking for help and you were less than helpful and two short days later you meet your new boss and you realize it's the same person without the ball cap. I was letting that sink in a minute in an incredibly more serious way, in an incredibly more profound way, these individuals just realized 
what they had been party to. Oh, maybe they didn't actually do it, but they sure didn't try to stop it. And they, and they, they make the response that any thinking person would make. They are cut to the heart and they say to Peter, what, what shall we do? What can we do? What solution is there for this that we have done? Of course, Peter replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love verse 39. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord will call. Oh, you know how the rest of that, that account goes. He, he warns them with many other words and he speaks to them about many things and thousands. Can you imagine? Thousands. Thousands are baptized. So somehow... They worked the logistics of baptizing 3,000 people that day. Wow. That's a lot of baptismal robes. That's a lot of just as I am, right? And as this occurs, this, this church is born. Why? Because there's now salvation. The very people who moments earlier... Minutes earlier, thought everything was hopeless, now found hope in the very one that they had initially rejected. See, the first way that Scripture can transform us is by showing us how to seek the forgiveness of God. Scripture, what do we know about God without Scripture? Certainly creation testifies to his majesty. But scripture tells us how to have a relationship with him. Look at verse 16. I think the second thing that scripture does for us is it transforms us by showing us how to live. Did you see all those words in there? I'll read them again. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. See, now begins the real work of being a Christian. You might have struggled with deciding to become a Christian, and you might have pondered, is this, is this what you really believe? And you may have put it off and maybe even fought against it for a while, but at this point, the point of salvation is honestly where the real work begins. It's actually very similar to the pattern back in Acts 2 we were talking about a minute ago. You're probably familiar with verse 42. They devoted themselves the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. That was where the real work of being a Christian actually started. There's authors out there, aren't there, that are kind of timeless. Their works remain for a long time. 
A guy named Bonhoeffer is one of those authors in my world. He wrote a book called, many books, but he wrote one called The Cost of Discipleship. Bonhoeffer lived in Germany during the period of World War II. Very difficult time to be an outspoken Christian there. Here's what he says. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. This is where the real work starts and where many of us stop. Occasionally I find myself in conversations with individuals that are looking for God's will in their lives. Can I tell you that engaging in the Word of God will help you determine that in a couple of ways. First of all, there are aspects of His will that apply to all of us I'll call it his general will. I just made that up. If somebody else called it that, I didn't mean to steal their thunder. So we are taught and rebuked and corrected and trained. We learn his general will for all creation. We learn in Scripture what he wants all of us to do, how he wants all of us to live. At the same time, I I really feel like The more we understand about the heart of God by understanding Scripture, the more sensitive we'll be to His specific leading in our lives. The more we'll understand when He's calling us to do something. In the simplest of terms, the more time you spend with God, the better you'll know the leading of God when it comes. As we, as, we look at, as we look at Scripture and God's leading for us, there are questions that we might ask that are simply answered for us in Scripture. God does not lead us to do anything against His Word. Understand that principle. So should I rob this bank to put a new roof on the church building? No. Should I forgive him for this or her for that, well, the, the answer may be just as simple, yes, but it is at times very difficult, isn't it? For those who engage in Scripture, for those submitting to the, the teaching, the rebuking, the correcting, the training, there is transformation of life. In other words, there's change. We're different. If we're exactly like we were before we came to Christ, what are we doing? Sometimes um, we'll try to help ourselves a little bit. and We'll say, well, that's kind of just how I was born. I have a temper. It's just how I am. I'd like to point you to a couple individuals in Scripture and say, these things should change within us. The very author of 2 Timothy, Paul, Do you realize that it is Paul, it is Paul in Acts 9 before he's converted to Christ who's described as breathing 
threats, and murder. That every breath he drew, he used that exhale to threaten Christians and the promised death. The very person he's writing to would have been alive during that time and subject to his persecution. Did you ever think about that? That Timothy, had he run into Paul before his conversion, would have been in real danger. And yet, friends, I have not attended one wedding in English or Spanish, Catholic or Protestant, where somebody doesn't read 1 Corinthians 13. Right? The author of that portion of Scripture is the same person where he describes love as not dishonoring others, as not being self-seeking, of not being easily angered, or keeping no record of wrongs. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. He's changed because of his interaction with Jesus Christ. But probably my favorite illustration of a changed man in Scripture is John. In Luke 9... I would like to have seen Jesus' face when he makes this suggestion. In Luke 9, they have an unpleasant interaction with a village. And John's solution is that Jesus called down fire from heaven to destroy it. Well, (laughs) that would have made a point. And yet if you read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you see a man that is incredibly tuned in to how the believers should love each other. And even in chapter 3 of 3 John, John goes into great detail of how that love should manifest itself among us. The Word of God. The Word of God for those who elect to engage in its pages transforms the saved into disciples. Now verse 17, as we conclude, really provides the why of the whole matter there, doesn't it? So that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that we may be useful. Be useful. So the Paul, who walked around breathing threats and murder, he's not useful. The John, who wanted to destroy a town with fire, he's not useful. But the Paul, who will reach out to a young leader and encourage him in a faith, he's useful. The John, who will write a letter to the churches to encourage them to love each other, he's useful. Why? Because they've been changed because of their interaction with the Word of God. Do we want to be used in His kingdom? Do we want to be useful to God? It is through the Word of God that we become equipped for that work. So the Word of God shows us 
how to reconcile ourselves with God, how to be saved, as we call it, but it also shows us how to live so that we can be equipped for service, the real work. So if we've had our sins forgiven through obeying the gospel's message, it's really time to move on to the work of being thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we serve him faithfully. Notice that Timothy's not simply called to train, not simply called to study, but also called to work. All Scripture, according to verse 16, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that you and I may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Where would we be without it? And thank you for the Savior that it teaches us about. I pray, Lord, you would bless us. Bless this church, Father. Thank you for their work here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.